So you know that uh, that thing when you take a wet wipe and you use it for whatever you're going to use it for. I'm, I'm not going to judge. And then the one after it is sort of sticking out because they're interleaved. Yeah. And then you come back to that one maybe an hour or two later and it's now a dry wipe. Yeah. Yeah. That's annoying. Yes, Jonathan, it's quite annoying. See, I feel that there's a special circle of hellish torment that is reserved for people that don't use their little index finger to poke it back in when it's when it's done. Because have you ever tried wiping a child's face? With a dry wipe. With a dry wipe. Yes, I have. They scream. It's really, really I mean, really they annoying. scream when you wipe their face with a wet wipe. See, I, I knew you'd get this. I just, I, knew I you'd get, get you. This. You're, you're get my soulmate. You. Yes. That's what it is. That's it. That was great. That was the best cold open we've ever had. That was the cold open. That was the cold open. Um, quality content. Quality content. Today we're talking about Inner Space, and uh, it's a movie with a synopsis that begs for innuendo, but I'm bigger than that. That's what she said. You're listening to What's Our Seat Number. Let's have an episode. What's Our Seat Number? Hello, and welcome to What's Our Seat Number, the show where we ask questions like, who is that man and why is he staring into my bathroom window? I'm Johnny Gross, a filmmaker, a writer, a director, an editor, a podcaster, and a horse manure expert. With me, as always, is my co-host and lifelong brother. He's a 4D human, a 3D graphic artist, a 2D drawer of things, a game designer, an animator, a source of dread for old women on buses everywhere. It's PMS pinup girl and resident pooflinger, Simon Gross. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. What an intro. What an intro. I just can't believe... How highly you regard me in the, uh, in the pin-up world. Well, I mean, it's better to be a pin-up of something yeah, than nothing. I agree. Yeah. That is my aspiration in life. Yeah. Fuck working at Naughty Dog. Uh, <laughs> Rockstar, <I> no? <laughs> Rockstar? Why would I want to work at Rockstar? I don't know. To work on Red Dead Redemption? Do you know how much detail they put into their games? The people who work there, they're... So- they don't have hands anymore. You don't like, you books. don't put detail into your games? Of course I put detail into my games, but there's a difference between putting detail on, say, a sign to make it look like wooded, grainy, wood words, and also, you know, having a horse that you can see its testicles if you turn the camera underneath it just at the right angle, and if it's cold, they'll shrink. Okay. That's Rockstar. Very good. That's not me. And That's... it shouldn't be anybody else. Okay. Apart from Rockstar. So he... they are... Rock stars. Okay, but are you the kind of person that say would, would... look at a horse's balls in the cult? Yes. Yeah. In the game or in the real world? Both. I Either. do. <laughs> Today we are discussing the 1987 classic Inner Space, starring Dennis Quaid and Martin Short. Uh, but before and... we get there, and Meg Ryan. Thank you. Sorry, but before we get there, racist. <laughs> before we get there, we are going to talk a little bit of. Movie news. There is no movie news because the entire internet is bursting at the seams with news of Johnny Depp taking his mum to court for a custody battle over their pet badger. The trial has been widely publicised on TV and a viewer interviewed for some rag somewhere said, Why am I watching this? I feel dead inside. You don't normally see such eloquent badgers on the internet, to be honest. Absolutely. Did I read that right? Yeah. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> because, because, the, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah, because even though I say, "Oh my God, they're airing their dirty laundry out in public," you I don't am, stop watching yeah, it. Yeah, I just—it's because you're a thirsty bitch. Uh, yeah, 
Netflix is already making moves after the distressing news that it had lost 200,000 subscribers in the first three months of this year, resulting in a stock price plunge which wiped 54 billion off its market value. While the streaming company flagged it would introduce a cheaper ad-supported subscription option and crack down on the common practice of password sharing, executives also hinted that it would be cutting back on content spend. Um, this is an issue. Uh, mm-hmm. Because Netflix already keep uh, they keep canceling their shows, they yeah. keep removing content. If you uh, if you bookmark something and you plan to watch it in a couple of weeks, it'll probably be gone by yeah. the time you get to it. Uh, if you search for a just movie, a, just a quick thing: Netflix in our country is a, is actually a lot more sparse. In yeah, its so that's what I was going to say. Countries. If you're if you're looking so it's already for already slim pickings, if you're looking for a specific movie, let's say you're one of those people that says, "Ha, physical media." Fuck you, I've got Netflix. Um, You go searching for the movie you're looking for, and it will say the name of the movie in the results of the search while not actually having it. Yeah. Um, which is incredibly frustrating. Um, But but the stuff that I do watch on Netflix is is fine. Yeah. You know. Uh, I enjoy enjoy having a Netflix subscription uh, for the wonderful Netflix only shows that they make uh you know like the you know midnight mass and haunting a blind manor and you know all of the mike flanagan ones anything um arcane uh the castlevania show which is now done but like any of those uh only you know russian doll i don't know if you saw the second season but i, it's, I didn't uh, it's i couldn't really get good. past the first episode mainly because my wife doesn't particularly like time loop stuff so you, of the I'm first gonna, season yeah yeah I'm oh gonna this watch is it. right up your bum hole you will love this <laughs> so love uh, this. yeah I'll, I'll give it a watch After delivering the Ryan Reynolds-led Six Underground to Netflix back in 2019, director Michael Bay turned his attention to Ambulance, Mm -hmm. starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, and Isa Gonzalez. The action thriller that costs way less to make than Transformers The Last Night follows two bank robbers who hijack an... Ambulance. So that's why they call it that. <laughs> and take two first responders hostage as they're fleeing police. Ambulance has been playing in theaters for several weeks, and now life finds itself imitating art as a hijacked ambulance was involved in a high-speed pursuit in the Chicago area. At approximately 4.40 p.m., a Chicago Fire Department ambulance was stolen. As reported by ABC7 Chicago, the man who stole the ambulance fled southbound to the Stevenson Expressway, while police pursued the man for almost two hours. At around 6.20 p.m., the ambulance slowed to almost a stop and it appeared as though the man was gesturing and speaking to the police out of his window. But then he took off again. Wait, from now on, I want you to read it like one of those newscasters. Like, and then he took off okay. again. Strips laid out on the road eventually took out one of the ambulance's back tires, but the chase continued until around 6.30pm Central Time, when the offender stooped roughly seven mu- Stooped? <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is from the, yes, from the article. <laughs> this is from the article that I copy-pasted. <laughs> And I'm reading the autocue. <laughs> and I'm reading whatever is written on the autocue. Fuck you, San Diego. Oh no, well, go fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> this has been a massive shit show. <laughs> Basically, a dude stole an ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> It's unclear what... Okay, so basically they caught him. They took him into custody. It's all very predictable. It's unclear why he stole the ambulance. So just a classic anecdote, is just, it, Jonathan? Just a bloke took an ambulance. I did read this before, but obviously it didn't quite pan out the way I had... You know, predicted. like when you read something in the middle of the night and it's really, really funny yeah. and you try and tell someone. <laughs> Yesterday, I tried to pack in uh, two days' worth of work and planning for this podcast. Yeah. So I think I may have been a little bit... I think you're good. It was funny anyway. 
but you know yeah it was just, funny just because, because i fucked it up crashed and burned Absolutely. but you know that's that's content gold as well content so. gold that was movie news that story really grows on you as you think about it like, as you <laughs> yeah life imitated art and a blood stolen ambulance it really could have been a paragraph so i came up with a new game that i thought might be fun for us oh goody yes yes it's called you're talking bullshit it's bullshit 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 give me that shit <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> so he said, <laughs> he said to me, I'm going to play the jingle for you live. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't heard that yet. That's actually really funny. He just held his phone up to the, you guys heard it all as like, you know, proper in its, in its thing, but I heard it through the microphone. <laughs> it's really funny. Sorry, go on. I've, I'm composed. I can okay. do this. What in, are the rules? In this game, uh, I have um, combed through the darkest depths of the internet to actually it's not true there is a website that collects all of the worst amazon reviews okay reviews of movies that are just absolutely ridiculous they range from one star to two stars and from (laughs) from the review you have to guess what movie i'm talking about now there's one or two here that i know you're not going to get but i had to include them because they were hilarious okay and when i say they were hilarious i mean they were hilarious yesterday (laughs) (laughs) And they may not be hilarious anymore today. So when I said to you yesterday, oh, good, you've come up with a new game. Oh, this is fun. We're going to hear the jingle live. Just a quick question. Is this game going to make me look stupid? And you said no. What you really meant was yes, but it's on you because you make yourself look stupid. I don't think it's going to make you look stupid. All right, let's go. Okay. So the subject line is... By the way, you have no idea, like, when I listen back to these and I listen to myself, I think that I was listening to the, you said, um, you were, you were doing one of the, uh, the crazy castings with Kay's thing, and it was Jeremy Irons, and you said a, a scarred Disney villain, or a a disfigured Disney villain, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it was so obvious, and I'm, like, screaming at myself, it's Jeremy Irons, you tosser, right? Like, mm. well, that's what I said to you last week, and I say last week, you mean cynically because I really mean not a month like a month ago, was that it's on the tip of your tongue. Well, well, hang on a minute, but why? Why has it been so long? We we had COVID. We had COVID. We both got COVID. Yeah, so our families got COVID. You gave me COVID. Your friend gave you you COVID. I I do know that. You don't know. You said to me. I've got COVID, check yourself. I checked myself and I had COVID and yes, we had just seen each other two days before. You don't know, right, that it was the friend who gave it to us because he isn't sure when he got it. It was We all checked ourselves on the same day. Yeah, it's been a while. But it's also been a while since uh, since I announced uh, the, the name of this game and I think people have forgotten. So uh, here it is oh, again. Oh, it's fuck. called You're Talking Bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Give me that shit. Proud of that jingle, aren't we? Yeah, I am. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. Movie number one. Movie number one. The subject line is, not the movie with clay sheep. Absolutely horrified. I thought it was a claymation movie with lambs. I got confused with Sean the Sheep. My three-year-old hasn't said anything since watching this. One star. Not the movie with clay sheep? Yes. What movie are they talking about? Clay sheep? Wait. 
absolutely horrified. I thought it was a claymation movie with lambs. Mm-hmm. I got it confused. Oh, Silence of the Lambs? There you go. Oh, no. Why would they think? Whoa. <laughs> I just, That's hysterical. No, you see, though. the kicker is my three-year-old hasn't said anything I thought it's it was watching that. this. Okay. Why let them watch the entire movie? Yeah, you noticed that it's not the claymation. <laughs> That's got to be rubbish. That's bullshit. It has to be. Bullshit. Okay. Number two. There were no wolves in the movie. One star. Dances with wolves? No, no. It's not that. But it's close. Not, not, no, it's not close, actually. I'll give you a hint. It's got absolutely nothing to do with wolves, and it takes place in, like, offices and stuff. Oh, The Wolf of Wall Street? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> got absolutely nothing to do with wolves one star. Was that the review? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there were no wolves in this movie. I just want to know who this person is who's gone to see a movie. Oh, this looks... Oh, it's going to be about wolves. Just up my alley. Okay, this one I'm going to tell you what the title is, because you'll never get it, okay. but... Free Willy 4, Escape from Pirate's Cove. I had no idea that this movie existed. I didn't know that that was a movie. At this point, we must assume Willy either loves captivity or he's an attention-seeking whore. One star. (laughs) (laughs) I love these. Okay. I like this game. This is good. Okay, go on. Subject line. Subject line. This could never happen. Okay. Oh yeah, a boat this big could really sink. One star. It's not Titanic. <laughs> it's Titanic. Oh god. <laughs> Subject line. Not a book. Despite being labeled as a book, this product is actually a disc. Is this something that I really should get? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. really yeah. easy. Not a book. Okay. So on. it hints that the no, 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 that no, it's no. a it's book. A, it's a, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of movie names with I'm really tired. Hang on. It's a book that's a disc. I, I I should get this. I'm like, mm-hmm. there's something yeah. here. I don't know. Hang on. I'll give you a hint. Don't Disney? Give me. Oh, Disney. A Disney movie with the word book in the title. Are you kidding me right oh, now? Jo- <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it it's is. not the Jungle Book. <laughs> it's totally the Jungle Book. And then what written- the fuck? And then I've written here, after he gets it, the Jungle Disc would have been a more appropriate title. What is this fucking problem? <laughs> There are These are just making there. me angry. This isn't making me laugh. These are making me angry. That would be the last thing that I even think of because okay. I'm not stupid like that. I'm stupid. Okay, but I'm not that stupid. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a, a little hint so that you so that you can orient yourself in this. But this is a second sequel in a series that was produced not long ago. I'm beginning to think he's just a bad parent. One star. No clue. No fucking clue. It is, in fact, Taken 3. Oh, I see it now. (laughs) Yeah, okay. I never would have thought of that. Do you know that I've actually never seen the Taken movies? You've really never seen the Taken movies? I've really never seen them. I've seen all the spoofs that you like, and I've seen scenes from it, but I've never actually seen the movies. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And there's one more, and then I'm going to give you another one that was just funny. Okay. Uh, But I'll have to tell you the title because you won't get it. Okay. It's hard to believe that a hotel that size in Colorado would close in the winter with all the skiing business. Which actually is not necessarily okay, talking shining. bullshit. It's The Shining. It's The Shining, but, correct. But it's, it's not wrong. That's not, that's not incorrect. <laughs> that's not... Right. Right? Yeah. Okay. It's too snowy. Really? But okay. there's people who ski. Yes, no, that's... Re- I've never thought of that before. Okay, so <laughs> then true, it though. actually lends credence to the idea that they know that the hotel is dangerous for people. Ooh, fan theory. Okay, so uh, there's one more here. It's for the emoji movie. 
Okay. <laughs> Which also I've never seen. Right. But um, but it, 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 it's funny all the same. Okay. I have an aggressive niece who likes to pick fights at her elementary school. And she even bit one of her classmates last August. As punishment, she had to watch this. And she hasn't even raised a fist since. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> that was your talking bullshit. Play the jingle again. It's bullshit. 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 Bullshit, 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 bullshit. Give me that shit. Very happy with yourself, aren't you? <laughs> was this fun? It was fun. Was this fun that you enjoy yourself? It was fun. I feel a little stupid about the Jungle Book one, but it was just so far from... Like, it's one of those you things... You can't believe somebody you, would be that someone dumb. someone would be that stupid. Like, it's... I was I was looking at... I was saying to <clears throat> Shosh, because there's a thing in uh, um, Aaron Sorkin shows... Right. ...where they talk about how stupid it is that there are these disclaimers on certain products. Like, if you buy an iron, right, um, you know don't iron your clothes while wearing them, right? And they have, like, this whole thing about how could people be so stupid? And then right. there's, this, there's this thing where, you know, the person who he's talking to says, well, what do you want me to do about this? And he says, I want people to iron their clothes while wearing them. You know, it's like, they're so <laughs> stupid. And, like, I was looking at, I was, like, looking in, in, I was bored and I was looking at the side of the milk carton, as, as you do. Um, and, um... Or as my wife does when I don't provide her with interesting enough conversation at the table. Um, hey And, uh, and uh, you know, like, I was looking at it and it says, contains dairy. <laughs> and it's like, but it, it's milk. And why does it... But here's the thing. It says it in, in like, two different places, but, like, like, as in one on top of the other. And it's... And I, I just got really uppity about it. I got really annoyed. And she was like... They have to do that. Hold on. I have to ask they you a question. They are so stupid. People I have to ask so you a question dumb. now. What? How long did this rant go on for? I have to know. Was it like something that carried on into it the next day? It wasn't into the next day, but it was It was An hour? three minutes. No, it was three <laughs> minutes of me nonstop going at, at, at the fact that the, the carton says it in two different places. And she's like, I know, I know. And I'm like, no, but look, look, right? And then she's like, she's like, no, I... I I, I know, I share you. They're stupid. People are stupid, but they have to put it on. And I'm like, why do they have to put it on? And then Shosh, like, checked out of the conversation at, <laughs> really? a, at the three-minute mark. She was like, <laughs> she was like, I'm done with this. And then, um, you know, I just, like, put it in the fridge. I put it in the fridge, like, angrily. Like, the fridge door felt the the impact of my displeasure with this, this discovery. <laughs> and I closed the door, and I was just, like, sitting at the... And I started Googling, like, products that have disclaimers on them and, like... You know, just the the sheer wealth. Of, so about an hour, this was up my bum. I, I let it go by the morning because, you know, I'd moved on to bigger and better things such as, oh, God, I'm so tired. Why won't my child go to sleep? Oh, God, please shoot me in the face. Parenthood's a magical uh, thing. Yeah, yeah, um, it's magical. <laughs> Should we move on? Yes. Um, this is going to be a long episode. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. People, people, people seem, missed us. People seem to enjoy they it. They missed us. I, I don't know why, but they do. So today's movie is Inner Space. We're going to have now the tagline game. Oh, joy. Oh, joy. And this is where I give Sai three taglines, and he has to guess which tagline from the original poster of the movie is, in fact, the real tagline of the movie, and the other two are just other movies. Right. Your first tagline is this. Heroes don't get any bigger. Okay. An adventure of incredible proportions. Okay. Adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. 
they're all exactly the fucking same. There's hero doesn't get any bigger than this, and then there's hero, adventure heroes get any don't get any bigger. An adventure of incredible proportions, yeah. and adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. Any one of these, I'm gonna pick. It's it, it could be either one, any of them, and 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 none of them, and also it's Schrodinger's like, tagline. They're all in a space. No, no, sorry, I'm kidding. It's Schrodinger's um, tagline. Okay, I'm Schrodinger's say, tagline. Just pick one, fine. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, let's gamble. Uh, I'm feeling in between the mm-hmm. middle one, the second one. An adventure of incredible proportions. Yeah, you are somehow correct. Away. Uh, heroes don't get any bigger. Is Ant Man? I thought I thought it might be like uh, like a, a movie about a giant person, right? And uh, adventure doesn't come any bigger than this. That is, it could be anything. Willow. Well, that is, that literally could have been any movie. That which is it, yeah, quite a bit condescending to uh, to little people. Little people in that movie. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that was the tagline game. So glad I came today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Um, so let's talk about context in a space. What You're do you not remember? stooping to innuendos today, are you? Not at all. Um, not at all. What do I remember? Here's the thing. I have only seen this movie once. In my- well, that now twice. That shocks me slightly. But then again, now that I think about it, um, you know, our, our <clears throat> paths did somewhat overlap with a lot of movies, but mainly because I introduced you to them. Yeah. And in a space, I never owned. So I saw I it this quite a telly. few times on TV. Yeah. I remember catching it on TV, and I watched, I think, all of it. And there are certain things that I remember. You can't on the telly. Yeah, on the telly. There are some things that I definitely remember. um, And and I could, if you were to say to me, in a space, I would know exactly it's Dennis Quaid, it's Meg Ryan, it's Martin Short. Um, I remember the thing uh, where uh, he gets, uh, you know, injected in the butt. I remember... Um, the the baby scene. Uh, I remember him kissing her and him moving between Dennis Quaid moving between them. Uh, you can talk about the synopsis uh, just very quickly, and then all of these things will make sense. Um, yeah, the synopsis is that um, that, and this is why it uh, it begs for innuendo because it's basically one man inside another man. Yeah. Um, but I said I wasn't going to do that. So Dennis Quaid uh, is a is a a pilot, right, or an astronaut? He's a, he's a fighter pilot. Yeah. yeah, or he's a fighter um, pilot. And he's uh, he agrees to uh, take part in an experiment, which interestingly they never really explain what the experiment is for. I think, but you oh. kind of but you kind of get the idea that they're that they're trying to enter the human body so that they can find things like tumors and, and, and heal it. It, yeah. it. it seems medical. Yeah, I, yeah. I got a medical vibe. Yeah, from yeah. He, he gets into this big, uh, big machine and, and he gets and shrunk. He gets shrunken down in, a, in like a, in like a little spaceship thing, which looks a lot like the spaceship from Joe Dante's explorers, which was two years right. previous, uh, which I've never seen. The lab is attacked right after he's shrunk. And, and, uh, you know, one of the, the scientists takes the syringe and runs away from the bad guy who has a, an amazing henchman name, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah. And they, uh, you know, they, there's a whole chase through a, a mall. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, Martin Short's character has been introduced as a hypochondriac uh, a little earlier in the movie. He happens to be in the same mall, and he gets injected in the butt with uh, Dennis Quaid's uh, spaceship. Um, and Dennis Quaid starts communicating with him and saying, listen, I need you to... Um, you know, take me to these scientists and find a way to make me big again and get out of you because I'm going to run out of oxygen. That's the synopsis of yeah. the movie, right? In, yeah. In, in, and in it's short. just and there so are, it's there very... are bad guys who are after the technology and they're yeah. trying to capture Martin Short. There's a that. MacGuffin, which is like the the 
the second chip, chip that, that will make one, him big. Yeah, there's, there's one, one chip in the spaceship, and there's one chip in the uh, in the machine that uh, the, right. the shrinking machine. Exactly. Um, so yeah, so it's so well plotted. It, it, it's I a, love it's it. It's such an intriguing premise. Yeah. Right. And and um, very high concept, and it's, it's like it smacks of eighties. It's so eighties, but and, in a good way. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. In a very good was, way because the way that the the way that the cause and effect, the way that things sort of in the in the same way that I that I always talk about Indiana the opening Jones. of Temple of Doom. How did I know? Yes, it's just like one thing begets the next. I thing. get you. You get me. This is yeah. why we podcast. Yes, Indiana um, Jones. Yeah, that yeah. the, these things just roll into each other, and they just he falls into these situations, and they happen to him, and it feels organic. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't feel like it doesn't a, feel like written a plotted yeah, yeah. so you can't see the plotting so that there's <clears throat> there's a lot of um that because I, I i i remember liking this movie but i haven't seen it since i was a kid i was very sort of mm, i'm i'm worried that i'm not going to connect with the 80s vibe somehow i i thought Sorry, but how is that? Because I love eighties. I, I, I do, I do, but I I was worried somehow that I was going to think it was dumb, and I just I I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I did feel that there were certain things that my, um, you know, sort of modern brain, modern brain, take, yeah. my modern brain was going. Eh, eh, eh. And then there was a part of me that was going, eh, d- 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 come sit down next to me and just enjoy the 80s. There, there are a few things, me. but we'll get into that afterwards. Um, and there were definitely things like half-shrunk bad guys that I did not remember and that made me snuff my drink. There were a few things. I, I laughed so much during this movie. Anyway, you go. Context. I, I remember um, I used to have this thing, and Babs, you'll, uh, you'll remember this, that uh, our parents used to go into the... Um, salon lounge area uh which was separated by a big heavy glass door uh and we used to sit in the kitchen on sort of evening saturday nights saturday nights were were a big thing you know we used to sit and watch gladiators and blind date you know yeah curtsy and then and and we used to watch woman was teeth with a face on it teeth with a face on it yeah So we used to watch stuff on Saturday nights, yep. and then there was usually like a movie premiere or something like that. I remember a lot of movies that I watched like that. There was P- Pacific Heights. Yeah. There was uh, you know Demolition Man. There was uh, License to Kill. I remember seeing for the first time in that kitchen. All right. Um, and Inner Space was one of those. And like, and I just I just remember that there was like there was a magic to that for some reason. And I have really fond memories of watching TV t- t- on that tiny little screen. Um, in the kitchen, sitting on a computer chair or something, yeah, um, and just you know, just drinking all of this stuff in, and I and I must have been like what seven or eight or something, and seeing these things that were making huge impressions on me, um, and things that I would go to school the next day and I would rem- I would be playing in my head, and teachers would be saying to me what a lazy you know daydreamer I was and all that stuff, and you know that I was like fantasizing about these movies that I'd seen and replaying them in my head because. Let's face it, kids. School's boring. Um, so uh, I mean, let's face it, adults. School is boring. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I have really fond memories of those times. And uh, Inner Space, even though I never had it on VHS and I never had it on DVD, um, I now have it on Blu-ray. Uh, but it, it was just it was just one of those movies that I always caught whenever it was on. Yeah. Um, and I also remember watching Alf. You remember Alf? Yes. 
No problem. No problem. I remember Lynn's um, boyfriend in ALF took her to see a movie uh, about a guy who gets shrunk and then injected into someone else. Oh. Obviously, we Brits would say shrank, but uh, but shranked. the say the Americans say uh, shrunk. Um, and as a kid, I remember like pointing at the screen, going, "I understood that reference." Anyway, so uh, so yeah, so I, I used to I used to love watching this movie. Um, so so here's yeah. the thing: is that we both already watched this because of time constraints. We yeah. watched it separately. We so... were going to try and fool you by uh, playing the uh, the music. No, no, no. We would never lie to you. We but... would never lie to you. But what we are going to do is because we know that people don't like change. I mean, we say that only Jews don't like change, but the truth is, is that nobody likes nobody change. Likes change no. um, is that we're still going to uphold the pretense that we're going to go and watch the movie because we know that your little brains will explode if we do anything differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Jonathan, would you like to go and watch the movie? Let's go watch the movie! Roll it! How, yes, did you was. enjoy the movie that we just watched together? Yes, I greatly enjoyed the 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 movie that we watched in the same room next to each other on the couch. Yep, indeed. So, would you like to to talk about that? Yeah, let's dive right in, man. Right in. How do you feel? Here's the thing: a lot of movies now leave me with a a very strange uh, feeling. Um, and when I was a kid, and I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, but when I was a kid, I used to always feel like, oh, this is a I feel like I've gone on a ride or I've gone on an adventure and it, you know, I feel like I was part of that. And, you know, you can kind of still uh, recall the the elation of, of that adventure after yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. finished. It's like, always, a, it's like to, an aftertaste. Yeah, I used to call it like an, an, an ordeal movie, like Die Hard yeah. as well, that you see the, what the what the character's been through and you, you kind of feel like you've been along on that ride. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, I also so, felt that watching In Space. Yeah. So, so I felt that yesterday and, and it was a very sort of familiar feeling that also, you know, when, after we watched The Rocketeer, I always feel that feeling. Um, because when a character has gone on an arc and you see how they've changed from what they were at the beginning. Yeah. Um, to, to the end. And listen, you know, you can say like movies now are more subtle in their arcs and sometimes, you know, less subtle. Because even. sometimes there's really nothing under the surface. That, that's true. But no, but there are, there are movies that are, of course there are. extremely no. like, uh, there's a stupidly obvious example, but like something like Joker, right? Right. Yeah. It, you know, his, his transformation, you know, the whole way through the movie, he's, he's going up those steps and then he dances down those steps as Joker. And there's like this, ama- and obviously you don't come out of that movie feeling elated and like, no. you've you know, gone on an adventure, but I'm saying there are more subtle. Well, that's actually, that's, that really illustrates my point is that, you know, movies now that, that take you on that sort of character arc, the character arc is very strong and it's very, you know, but it, it leaves you either feeling very, very hurt or dirty or, or, or uncomfortable yeah. um, because everything has to be dark and gritty and depressing now. I noticed a lot of uh, really great character work in this movie and, and it's not one of those movies that's like, you know, that's going to have a profound effect on you like Joker or something like that or The Godfather or whatever it is it's uh it's it's a fun popcorn movie and it wears that on its sleeve very much uh and Joe Dante is the is the kind of director that sort of infuses every one of his movies with this manic looney tunes kind of energy because he's obsessed with looney tunes yeah uh, if you watch gremlins 2 it's, it's so nuts like, yeah yeah 
Um, if you watch Gremlins too, like that, it's it's just drenched in that kind of energy. Martin Short is, I feel, perfect in that slot. Like you know, he's he's yeah. a moving. Cartoon I can't character. imagine anybody else playing right. that role. Just like I can't really imagine anyone else uh, playing Dennis Quaid's role. I think Meg Ryan's role could have been played by absolutely anybody. Yeah, um, it's very much it's very underwritten. I, I was thinking yeah. about this. She's very much a part of the plot. She's a driving force of the plot. Um, but I feel like she's, she's given short thrift yeah, and, and that she's somewhat objectified. Yeah. Um, very much. It's, it's not, it's, it's an eighties movie. It's not yeah, written I mean, for look, today's. Look, I mean, not, I'm not talking like, you know, Michael Bay, Megan Fox bent over the, you know, the no, bonnet of the car. It's not anything like that, but she is. She is a woman who for for the the men to sort of you yeah, know, but in, in uh, context though th- 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 fall in love with as it yeah were. yeah sure but in context um, I mean and, and and like this is coming from me I did think about this during the movie but at the same time not justifying it necessarily but sort of explaining maybe where it's coming from because I was that is right. that Martin Short is that kind of nerdy guy who doesn't believe that any woman would ever look at him twice he has the self confidence of a peanut. And, um, and, you know, he's, this woman is like paying attention to him because he's being infused with the spirit of the guy that's inside him, the hero inside, literally in this case, who is Tuck. And, um, and, and I think that what Meg Ryan is, is in, is attracted to in Martin Short is Tuck. Yeah. Um, because he's saying the words that Tuck is kind of telling him in his ear to say mm-hmm. um, he's wearing his jacket, he's driving his car, um, and he's come and along it- on this sort of, like, spy mission. This Like, the movie kind of, like, becomes this this kind of quasi-spy movie hidden inside a sci-fi yeah. epic, you know? There, there's there's some really interesting stuff because there's, like, these 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 two two worlds happening at the same time right you've got you know the the world outside where you know they're trying they're racing against the clock to get him out of martin short and also stop the bad guys from stealing the technology and escaping the bad guys and whatever and then the bad guys are trying to capture them so that they can inject um you know their own small bad guy into martin short and and whatever and so so this um so you know dennis quaid is dealing with inside his own little world which is the you know the inside of martin short's body you know like um uh, whenever martin short starts uh, hyperventilating or something or his heart starts beating too fast so he starts getting pulled along the yeah blood there's flow. an effect there's a it, you know yeah. so he's dealing with his own problems in there and he's like you know i've got a problem here i'm gonna have to go offline and you know right. you'll have to deal with this by by yourself um because it's like the it's it's like the fantastic voyage it's yeah. uh it's kind of sort of in a like in a space yeah yeah <laughs> like he's 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 going through this uh this sort of fantastical journey in this whole other world yeah which uh which we sort of take for granted because obviously you, you can't really go inside somebody else's body yeah there's something very cool that martin short says to him which is you know i'm i'm just thinking about this now you're seeing parts yeah. of my body that i that will never, never see, see. Yeah. and it's like it's a it, it, it's like little things like that which i think a real person would probably you know say if this were to you know yeah. it's like it's really weird that you're able to see it so it's nice that he's acknowledging that um but what's really what's really cool is just how they managed to juggle these two things and have them work alongside each other like you know he's having problems outside there are problems going on inside right um you know and how they use i, I really like the fact that you know martin short can't just 
hear him because he's inside him. You know, Dennis Quaid had to. Yeah, they you know, explain it with technology. He had to, yeah, he had to find his way up to the ear canal and place some kind of beacon so that like he can, speaker, yeah. like a speaker, so that he can transmit to yeah. him through the spaceship. And that's really, really cool. Um, also, he attaches something to his optical nerve, yeah, uh, which causes him a lot of pain at first, and then he gets used to it, and then you know he's able to see what. What, he, what, what, what Martin, Martin Short can sees, see. Yeah. And so, you know, there's this great, like, progression of where am I and what am I seeing and who are, you know, what's all this. And yeah, there's a geography to it that, um, yeah. that and, and it's it's so packed. Uh, this is what I noticed when watching it yesterday, sorry, just now, um, is that it's so packed full of not just plotting and cause and effect and, and sort of events that sort of one lead on from, one leads on from the other, but also like little nuances yeah. and little comedy bits. Like for example, um, Mr. Wormwood, the uh, the um, the manager of the Safeway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so just randomly at the beginning of the movie, he says like, "You're late, Jack. You're late." You know, and Jack goes in, and then this woman comes up with a chicken, and she goes to him. Smell this. Smell this. Go <laughs> on, smell go it. Go on, smell it. And it's just such a random, yeah, like, yeah, and you can imagine, strange. I can imagine Joe Dante sitting behind the monitor, just like cracking the fuck up at that. Yeah. And nobody he's... else knowing what, you know. But, but it's also like, it's it's funny because, you know, he works at a, you know, a, a, right. a shop with, you know, this smells off to me. Like, smell this. Would you sell this to people? Like, I can imagine the rest of the conversation. It's really funny. Um, There's just so much like offbeat shit that yeah. goes on in this movie. And, and the same thing with like, and, and I noticed noted this down, is that that there's no way that Jack would have dreamed, like had some kind of premonition that the orange haired woman was going to pull out up, a gun, yeah. you know, and like, uh, and like all that stuff. There's no way that he would have, that he would have known that that was going to happen. There's no way that he would have dreamed it. Yeah. And you're not like talking about some kind of ESP or whatever. Like it's, it's set in the real world kind of, yeah. um, you know, so, uh, so that's always bothered me, but he wanted that joke in there. He wanted to have that, that, payoff yeah and so he put it in and and you know the sort of logic be damned yeah and i i respect that about him i really do and it's also a great bit i it's, think it you works see as that. a great bit but yeah. it, it, it for me that was a little bit off like um i don't know there, there are certain things about some of the random yeah but like but i enjoy that payoff is that like you know the 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 the, the amount the, like he's he's passing um um products through the uh, the scanner and the and because tucks in his body like trying to uh trying to connect to his uh to his ear canal and his optical nerve and all that kind of stuff um, he's shooting out some kind of signal and it's Sorry. it's fucking with the till and all the all the the amounts are going up and up and up and up and it's over like a uh, hundred thousand dollars or something like that yeah. and uh, you know and the woman's like I don't have that kind of cash sweetie um, and it's then she pulls exactly out the dream that he has, yeah, yeah and then she pulls out a gun which turns out to be a cigarette lighter yeah <laughs> um, and like I just I I vividly like the reason why I don't care is is like if I was watching this now for the first time, I'd be like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But because I remember it so vividly from my childhood and I enjoyed it so much as a child, that little bit, that's why it kind of... There's, res- something, it, it, there's it, something here I wanted to ask you about and yeah, I've yeah. written it down. If we've go already it. brought it up, yeah, yeah, go I've, it. I've written down, it, is this actually happening or because it's in his subconscious because he had a dream about it, right? Is he imagining this whole thing and she's not really there? It's only happening because Dennis Quaid is fucking around with his body. That's like interesting. It's, it's, it's an interesting take. Yeah. That was my take from it. I was like, this doesn't make sense unless it's because it's in his subconscious and these weird waves that are going through his body are like making it come to the forefront of what he's seeing. It's making him hallucinate. But I mean, he's adjusting, his body's adjusting to this foreign yeah, entity. Yeah, but right? there's no, there's no sort of... 
there's no representation of that anywhere that uh, that Tuck's making him hallucinate. Well, I mean, like, a little no... bit. There's a little bit when you first see the redhead woman. It. I don't know. Maybe we have to go and have a look at it. But like, it yeah. looks kind of like it's. Um, not fisheye, but like it's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, shot, yeah. they shot a lot of the movie on these wide-angle lenses, and it's usually used for comic effect. But, so, um, I'm, I'm just wondering. But, I mean, it's very... Look, it's very possible that there's a that there's a disconnect between the, the amount on the till counting up and him seeing the woman. That, like, as an effect of the amount counting up, he is sort of hallucinating the red-haired woman. I but think she's hallucinating still there in the, the wide whole shots. thing. I think, that, I think that the numbers that he's seeing are also not actually going up. I'm not sure, because it's also established that... Uh, uh, Tuck can manipulate electronics on the outside. But we don't know that he's using an EMP uh, in that moment. Yeah, we do. We see him like flicking switches and he says, I'm like trying to send a signal out. And as, when he says that, that's when the numbers start counting up. Ah, so, so there yeah, is yeah. like, there is an actual I'm just effect wondering in the outside that, No, world. but he makes, he makes a VCR explode. Yeah. Oh, but that's because he's overcharging it. It could be either. I really, I really think that it's open to interpretation, I guess. But, uh, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, sort of the visual language of that scene is that in the wide shots you can see her standing there. So, yeah. Mm, I mean, okay. it makes it, it makes sense that she is there. So the the thing that I would question is the is the idea of having that scene in the beginning with the doctor where he explains yeah, the dream. Yeah. Um, is that, that, that is, is, is a questionable decision from, uh, from yeah. Joe Dante, but I really enjoy the, uh, the setup and the payoff of that. Um, I'm really interested yeah. to, I, I, if, if ever there was an opportunity to ask, I'd, I'd ask. I really, really, really want, want I, what I have right now is a Blu-ray that is completely vanilla. There's nothing on it. There's no um, special features? No special features whatsoever, but shame. I just had to buy it. Yeah. And I'm sure that at some point Arrow or, um, or I don't know, uh, the Chout Factory or whatever a boutique uh, company is going to come out with a... Uh, with a with a fantastic new 4K remaster and uh, special features and all that kind of stuff, and it would be really great to to hear. You know what? Actually, I think there is a commentary on my Blu-ray. I'll go back and listen to it. I wanna I wanna just because um, maybe Joe because it's Joe Dante talking over the movie, so maybe he uh, maybe he, maybe he mentioned something like that. Yeah. So let me know. I yeah. wanna I wanna I wanna move backwards a little bit because there's something that bothered me at the beginning of the movie mm-hmm. that um, I don't know why. Like I'm able to accept it in movies that I watched when I was a kid, and I know that the line's gonna be there. But when I watch a movie. It's not really for the first time, but it kind of was, because um, I haven't seen it since England. Um, wow, that's a long time. That's a long time. So yep. it's kind of, and it's Im- I, even I'm impressed by the fact that I can remember that um, as much as I did. Right. Right. Um, that's how much of an impression it made on me, anyway. Yeah, it's a it's a great movie, but there's the thing for me is that you know they have the usual dialogue. Uh, there's the. Um, I'm not sure what his role is. He's like high up in the in the air force, and he's a bit of an asshole. Uh, you know, and he, he's talking about Tuck in the car mm-hmm. uh, with the guy who's in charge of the shrinking project. Right. And he says, you know... He's the guy that he has a, a fight with at the beginning. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, he's a loose cannon and makes makes up his own rules, you know? Like, <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't follow everybody else's rules. And it's like the same... Riggs is a loose cannon, you know? I have, I have thoughts about this, actually. Really? And I did make a note. Okay, let me hear your thoughts. Okay. No, so so what I, um, what I noticed was that in the uh, the lab scene, from the lab scene to the uh, the bad guys coming in, yeah, and uh, and gassing everybody, and I have something about that too. Right, right, and then uh, <laughs> and then Ozzy like uh, running off on the bike and all that kind of stuff. There are certain things that um, tap into the visual language of film and things that we're used to. 
not necessarily because it actually is true to life, but because we've been conditioned by movies that we've seen. Okay. Um, sort of like, you know, cinematic conventions and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I feel like Dante does a lot of sort of like parody and excessive parody okay. okay so the excessive parody maybe later on when you know martin short changes face and like becomes the cowboy yes. and there's all that slapstick stuff and you know the uh, the two villains get shrunk down, shrunk down shrunk down 50 and they have the whole the whole yeah that's a little too much um, it's a little too much <laughs> i was like i was literally like last night okay let's just be honest we watched it separately i watched it last night um i watched like like the second hour of it last night my wife went to bed and i was stifling my giggles because i was cracking the fuck up throughout the entire second half of the movie and i've written here second half gets really silly um and it does like exactly on the hour point when he's in the uh when he's in the, the 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 meat van and Scrimshaw, like, is introduced, that's when it just gets ridiculous. And like, I love it. I can't it. take it anymore. I love it. I was cracking up. Anyway, so what I'm saying is that the, the, that um, Joe Dante, um, even though he, he really knows how to put together an action scene and all that kind of stuff, he's still doing it kind of half tongue-in-cheek, which is why when movies today are very earnest about those kinds of yeah. conventions, it kind of, it like, you know, like Fast and Furious and all that kind of stuff, mm. it makes you go, these guys don't know that they are in a parody Right. Even though it's ridiculous. Like yeah. Fast and Furious going into space is the kind of thing where you go, oh, this, uh, you know, it's it's like if they would have actually had a car jumping over a shark. Yeah, okay? right. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what they're going to do in the next one. I'm probably, sure they are. actually going to have I'm a car sure jumping they are. over a shark. There's like, um, there's that whole thing of like, oh, they've come to so many, um, that the number of sequels is like, has increased so much that in the next one, they're going to go to space. And they actually did. So, um so in in you know in today's movies the uh, the sort of the 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 sarcasm and the humor is lost on people yeah. and Joe Dante was doing it back in the 80s and a lot of people just didn't get it. Right. So that's okay. why that's why I I really enjoy those kinds of things. He's a loose cannon. I'm fairly certain that that was not serious. I think it was something like you no, know No, but it's a conceit of 80s movies. Of it, course it is. Of yeah, course it is, but it's, but like it's, in this particular case, it's the kind of thing that um, that I imagine that Joe Dante saw Star Wars and thought, oh right. my God, come on. We have to have this character be Han Solo piloting the ship, but he's inside somebody's body. Like, it's a... It's a yeah, it's a no, take. sure. But, like, there's, there's, yeah. uh, there's something... There's something to me about the fact that we have this whole opening sequence that establishes the fact that he's a loose cannon and right. he's like, you know, he he goes in, he's drunk, he makes a whole like speech well, drunk mean, and he punches the hell out of people. Yeah, and, but it establishes it establishes the fact that he's a drunk and he's uh, and he's an asshole. Dude, I got it a hundred percent from right. from that opening sequence. That was all the storytelling they needed to give me about the fact. Like, even if they would have had Meg Ryan, I'm sure that she says it. You know, you could have been more like something like that. Yeah, that yeah. would have been overdone, but it would have been less than what we got in that car sequence which is fine and again like you know all the 80s movies have that yeah um you know and even that that moment in uh what's it called top gun Uh, came out the year before the same thing but that's the thing I, i don't think it's on the level of something like hot shots that is definitely doing it to parody, but right. um, but I mean, it's the kind of thing that you know that 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 shot, those shots that I always talk about um, in the in the car chase in uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, when uh, you see Indiana Jones climb up into the car, oh, yeah. and then you hear the punch, yeah. and you see the first guy fall out the yeah, right hand yeah, yeah, side, yeah. and then you hear another punch, and, and the then you see the shot out. of the uh, of the guy falling out the left hand side, and that to me is just like it's Spielberg going, I love serials. 
and I'm going to try and like uh, take all of those conventions and all of those cliches and put them into a movie that is inherently a B movie, but I'm going to elevate it. I agree with everything yeah. you're saying. I even agree with the fact that this line is fine in this movie. It's just that it is there's something about the delivery. Right? That I understand that maybe Joe Dante was trying to take the piss. But yeah. the guy who's delivering the line is not in sync with that. It doesn't feel like he's on that level. It doesn't feel like he's he's doing that. But anyway. Right. Um I have <laughs> I've written here basically so what happens is that the terrorists come in um and they say, We're here to fix fix the phones. <laughs> right. And then the the security guard gets on the phone, he goes do you know anything about some people coming to repair the phones? And the guy takes out what looks like a fire extinguisher. <laughs> he like yeah. gasses him and he goes, Hook! and he like falls down. So he's like head whips back. Well, I've written it. It's so fast. It's, it's so brilliant. fast. There's no anticipation to the movement. Like, you know, he literally just like, almost like the footage has been sped up. I've written, I'm sorry. What did the terrorists just spray the guard with? It looks like a fire extinguisher and the gas knocks him out immediately. No anticipation, no chance, laughed my bollocks off, right? Now, like, then, so I was like, oh, maybe that was just a one-off and we're not going... They go in and they literally, all of them have these mini fire extinguishers that are all, you know, just full of this magical gas that immediately knock people out. And you've got people dropping like flies. There's a shrinking machine. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm with you. A hundred percent. I'm with you. But the difference is, and I want to talk about this in, in VFX attic right right? but there's something about the design of the machine that somehow feels like it makes sense right right so this this just seems very lazy i like it i i i (laughs) i liked it too i as i said i was laughing i think that's one of those things that's played for laughs i don't think that that's a real i don't think that's a real thing yeah um but anyway, yeah, I thought I thought it was really cool, and and there's there's just like a whole load of things from that point on that are hysterical. But this is uh, the, I just want, going back to the uh, to the sort of terrorists, invaders, whatever they are, yeah. the um, robbers. Um, I I like that um, convention of eighties movies in general around that time that you could have this kind of family oriented uh, adventure movie that then becomes you know somewhat nasty. But in it's, it's in very striking contrast to an 80s movie like Die Hard, where... Well, because you know, Die Hard the, is not a family movie. Right, that's the yeah. thing, is that the terrorists come in and immediately shoot the guy in the face with, you know, like a, yeah. a silenced pistol or a, or a non... I don't remember. Right. But, but, like, in this movie, it's cartoon violence. It's right. very sort of like, you know... Um, Ghostbusters, nobody's really dying in right. this movie, you know, like... Uh, but it's, it's the kind of thing that makes an impression on an eight-year-old, like, um, because because it's like, it was rated PG, right? Yeah. Um, and the same thing with Sister Act. Sister Act is a comedy, and uh, there's, like, mob violence, there's a, you know, like, uh, um, Harvey Keitel, yeah. Whoopi Goldberg witnesses Harvey Keitel shooting one of his men, Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, she, and she goes into witness protection. That's right. the whole, yes. uh, the whole concept of Sister Act. And I just love that contrast because you don't expect in like a in a light family comedy like Sister Act to have that kind of darkness, darkness like yeah. the the murder subplot. Yeah. Um, and in this movie, you have that whole thing where Mister Igo, who plays this sort of silent Bond henchman, which we'll talk about in a second. I can see that you're nodding your head and smiling. Um, is that like he uh, he shoots 
Ozzy, the uh, the the head, the lab manager, the head of the the science, head scientist, whatever, and uh, and he's got a big blood patch on his back and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and like, and I and I find that that that's like the kind of thing that I that I always remembered in the same way of like um of uh, Inigo Montoya getting uh, getting stabbed like yeah, seven yeah. times by uh, by the six fingered man. Um, you know, it's all about how it's lots handled. of blood. Yeah, it's all about how it's handled, how it's shot, how it's presented. Like, yeah. and, and I think the same about you know, like the whole loose cannon thing. How it's how it's served up to you. It could be the cheesiest thing in the world. In this movie, it's gonna work. In another movie, it would never work in a right. million years because it's served up in a different way. I think I've it's ri- the I think it's the Spielbergian recipe as well because you've got yeah. like Dante worked with Spielberg a lot. This is also produced by Steven Spielberg. It's Amblin, yeah, and uh, it was mainstream. Uh, yeah, it was mainstream nowadays. Like things like Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent have to be made indie because it's not an IP. Absolutely. I've yeah. written here, just as a continuation of what you said, yeah. is Mr. Igo is the best bad guy henchman name ever invented. James <laughs> Bond, eat your heart out. Um, he is a brilliant villain. And, and it's also, I've written right underneath that because this happens in the, in the mall. Um, that, so, that it just lingers on somebody in a penguin costume holding balloons. Yeah, for a very and long then it, time. And yes, and then the camera like sort of pushes past yeah. the and past the balloons and, and reveals uh, him. Yeah, and I've written in caps: "Penguin holding balloons." Why? I'll tell you why. Why? Because Joe Dante has a sense of humor. One, number two, it's a very tongue-in-cheek, um, but awesome reveal of a bad guy. Because if you think about it, what you would have had with any other director is that you would have had it like sort of dollying past a, a crowd of people and yeah. maybe it would it would have been like a like a plant like a like a plant or something or a fountain that would have revealed him or something like that but because it's a guy or a woman in a penguin costume holding a bunch of balloons it's an awesome reveal it's a great shot but it's tongue in cheek and that's yeah. that's dante to a t you okay. can just like boil down the dante-ness I expe- in that I, shot i accept your explanation <laughs> i've also written underneath that he has a fucking cyborg hand. <laughs> I just love that the gun barrel is in his finger. It's, it's brilliant. So no, so here's He's the thing. He's got a point. <laughs> he, he, he points and shoots a dart at him. That's not where I wrote this moment. Because is it I was a dart like, or a bullet? It's a, whatever it is. Right, okay. He, he shoots him with his finger and I'm like, oh, okay, he has like a, like a gun in his glove or something mm. or whatever. But then he's in the car later <laughs> and he twists his hand yeah. off and he's got like a, a wrist with wires coming out of it. And I was out loud. I went, he's a fucking cyborg. <laughs> like literally, and I did not remember that from when I watched it as a kid. And I was like, this is brilliant. I was like sitting there like with it. Oh, oh. I love Mr. Igo. I love when he gets... Um, injected into Martin Short. There's a um, like if you if you remember if anyone remembers the movie For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. Okay. Direct comparison to a Bond villain. There is one of the villains is in one of these like sort of underwater suits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With like with like sort of pincers kind of thing, and um, and they go after they go after James Bond and Melina and they're when they're underwater in the uh, in the sunken uh, ship. Yeah. Um, and. Um, yeah, it just reminds me of that that uh, that Mister Igo then comes out, and th- this movie came out like six years after Fury Eyes right? Only. He doesn't make any. He doesn't have any dialogue. No, no, that's, no. That's also doesn't have like any dialogue. Very, very James um, Bond. It just it just really reminded me of that that like they're kind of you know they're inside Martin Short, but they're underwater, and he's in a suit, and he comes with the pincers. Yeah, like, and, and that's and he gets know, dissolved and, in 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 uh, in stomach it, acid. It's brilliant that, that oh. Dennis Quaid he he psychs him out, he freaks him out, like he says to him, you know, I I, I need some stomach acid. 
acid here and, and he's like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of really going calm. through he's like I'm actually feeling quite calm right now because he's lying on Meg Ryan's and lap like, right like, I, Jack I, I think I found something down here like, what is it <laughs> oh my it god is it a tumor oh my god I knew it I knew it's a tumor and he starts like his, he's like playing into this hypochondriac like yeah. thing and he's like oh my god oh my god there goes my ulcer and then his stomach acids yeah. like melt the guy um, and it's it, it's really it's really really funny and really clever. But one one issue that I had with that is how did he manage to get because his thrusters were destroyed by Mister Igo. Yeah. How did he manage to get out of the stomach acid and up into the uh, into the uh, nasal cavity? Maybe only one of his thrusters. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, anyway, um, that, that was that was a, a, a slight plot hole that I found. But anyway, um, um, I've written underneath this. Um, well, actually, underneath the cyborg hand, I've written again, I really love this concept. <laughs> and then underneath that, um, and I'm going to move away from the microphone so I don't break your ears. Yes. But Martin Short is incredible. I haven't seen him in enough things. And then next to that, I'm possessed! <laughs> Just him sitting in the doctor's office. Yeah. And suddenly he hears De- Dennis Quaid talking to him. And he's like... We gotta talk, buddy. No, no, we don't. We gotta talk. We gotta talk. Then he just jumps out of his seat. He goes, "I'm possessed." No, but I love that. There's like I, this, I this spat wonderful my drink out over my uh, on my computer screen. There's this wonderful so sort of dialogue, uh, choreography, and rhythm that's uh, yeah. that sorted out. That he's going. Did you did you hear that? And the, he's sitting between two people in the waiting in the doctor's waiting room. He says, "Did you talk to me?" And the guy goes, "No." And then Jack and then uh, Tuck says something, and then he replies to Tuck, and then somebody else replies to him. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. And it's, it's just like so it's well so well done, yeah. so well done, absolutely. So Martin Short, I, I don't know what you've seen, but um, there's a movie also called Three Fugitives. Not seen it. Um, with Nick Nolte, um, arguably a much more successful combination is Nick Nolte and Martin Short versus Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy in 48 right. Hours. Yeah. And there's a sweetness to the uh, to the Nick Nolte-Martin Short uh, relationship in Three Fugitives where um, he, uh, he, he, want, he goes into a bank, Martin Short, and he holds it up because he's trying to uh, he's trying to sort of fund uh, I think an operation for his daughter. Before, okay. This is before Sandman, um, right? And um, and Nick Nolte is a uh, is an ex con who's just been released that day, and um, and he, and Martin Short decides to take Nick Nolte hostage, mm. and the police think that Nick Nolte is behind oh, the, uh, the the heist, and um, and it's just they end up on the run together, and it's Nick Nolte and uh, Martin Short and his little girl, mm. and uh, Nick Nolte has this this budding relationship with Martin Short, who he calls asshole throughout the entire movie and also starts to warm to the little girl. And there's always, there's these like, like really warm, sweet scenes between, uh, between the two of them. Um, and I just, and, and it's Martin Short just generally like, uh, you know, like for example, he goes into the bank and, uh, and shoots the gun in the air and immediately a whole lot of plaster right, falls down obviously. on his head. Like it's just, I, I, I love his physicality. He's a moving cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. It's re- a, a moving cartoon character. What a redundant thing yeah. to say. I meant he's a human yeah. cartoon character. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so, or a live action cartoon character. Yeah. It's, it's really, really funny to me that that whole dancing scene. And he's like, you oh, know, the dancing he's scene like, is amazing. And yeah, he's the, the mugging. Rolling. Yeah. And it's just, I had so much fun watching that. Yeah. And I just, I, I felt, this is why I wrote this. Like, you know, like Martin Short is incredible. I haven't seen him. It was, it was a bit of a revelation to me. Because the, the most recent thing that I've seen him in is the morning show where he's being a bit of a, not a bit of a, he's being a sleazeball. Right? He is he's very, very skin crawly in that show. 
and I think it just shows how much range, range he, has. he has. And I'm just like, and also why like only murders in, in the stuff? building. Have you seen that? Only no. murders in the building. No. It's also a good show with uh, it's it's him and um, and Steve Martin. Okay. Uh, it's it's just he he is. He, I would watch him in anything. I I have decided. So would I. He yeah. he's. His smile is so, you know, charismatic. Like it's not yeah. the same as Dennis Quaid's smile. Dennis Quaid's smile is Han Solo's smile. It's the right. it's the it's the Joker smile. No. He's well, got well, yes, he's, he's got, got a Joker it, smile. I'm, I'm talking and, and more he... about the rogue yeah. smile, right? Like I haven't seen Dennis Quaid in a lot of things recently, but his smile has carried through to Jack Quaid, his son. And is now yeah. and is now on our screens once again in Scream on our and screens. on our Squeenth on our Squeenth once again in <laughs> Squeam in Squeam and uh, the Boys. The boys. <laughs> Martin Short. I really like the fact that he goes from this hypochondriac to suddenly believe it because he kisses Meg Ryan and therefore she, uh, you know Tuck is moved over to to her body somehow, yeah. which is something I don't know. Um, but uh, you know because that happens. He believes that he believes that he's still inside him, and he and he says to Meg Ryan, you know, when one of the villains comes up the stairs, he's like, "Don't worry, Tuck's gonna give me the strength of ten yeah, men." Yeah, because he's, he, he says to him earlier, he uh, he sort of like establishes that that he's he's stimulating his adrenal glands, yeah, right? Exactly. He's like, he's gonna give me the strength of ten men, yeah. and then he just like you know punches the guy and knocks him down the stairs, and then he re- and then tuck starts playing this is a meg ryan moment that i actually really liked i i i went yeah. back to watch it again just because of how well she delivers the moment when she realizes that she can hear the song and she says he's playing our song and she yeah. like does that little very loving giggle yeah i felt that that was very genuine yeah and so, also and yeah. and in contrast as well not in contrast and, and and to add to that moment that dennis quaid is inside her and he notice he he's he like comes up on the uh on the fetus yeah. that's that's in her womb and he, and he sees the baby and, and he his starts eyes his eyes start up, welling yeah. up and he's like uh, as a father yeah as a father that, that affected me go, yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes you go yeah it just ugh. yeah yeah no but it, it, it also like something that we haven't talked about Dennis Quaid very much yet but he's he gives an incredible performance um, especially when you consider that he's confined to a chair yeah. for almost the entire runtime, and he has to emote and he mm-hmm. has to sell to you that he's in this spaceship kind of thing in somebody else's body, and I and and it's such a ridiculous concept that if the two leads don't sell it, then you're not going to believe it. Yeah. In the same way that you you believe that Patrick Swayze really is dead, and yeah. he's uh, and he's trying to communicate with Whoopi Goldberg in uh, in Ghost. Um, it's uh, and and that's also like one of those sort of like high concept eighties movies that is, you know, so well plotted and the you know and the concept is really rung for for like uh, everything it's worth. Um, and you feel like when you get to the end of a movie like that that they've that they've really they've gone through something they've gone through something, but also that the filmmakers have really maximized that concept, yeah, yeah. which is not something that sometimes I I watch something today. Um, it's a great I, idea. But it's the a great idea, but the was execution lost. wasn't. It's almost as if they're trying to sort of pay lip service, yeah. like you know, Dark Phoenix, for example. That you really just don't feel that they've given it their all. Yeah. Whereas these these sort of original concepts that they were coming up with in the eighties are just so rich. Yeah. That um and and they and they really they they really like ring them for all their. Work I really believe that that Martin Short's character went through that whole thing, and that you know he notices that the cowboy is. Uh, is you know in the car and has driven off with them, the the newlyweds, um, and he I believe that he will leap into the car and and go off to rescue right. them. Like so I believe that that's like so his, that's his like jumping arc. forward to the end. Um, that's something that you you don't see very much today either. 
is the setup for a sequel that's never meant to be made. Yeah. And I love that as an ending to this movie. It's the like adventures jumping. continue, yeah. but you're never going to see it. You have to imagine that. I'm not sure if they ever would have made a sequel, but this movie flopped on release for some reason. Mm. And um, and and I think that the audience is always from the behind. commentary if he says that he was planning a sequel or not. I want to know. I highly, highly doubt it. I think it was one of those things that was just um, played for. Yeah. Mm. Um, in the same way that you know the the a Bond villain ended up, uh, you know at the end of the movie sometimes ended up on the train or something like yeah. that. You know, that, um, that, you know, Baron Samity was never meant to be paid off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was just a thing that they added in at the end. Um, but like, but I, 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 I feel like audiences were generally aside from gremlins. Um, I think the audiences were generally behind Joe Dante. Yeah. Uh, they were, they were sort of like a few steps behind him and he was like ahead of the curve because nowadays I, I watch those movies and I, I just can't understand how people didn't connect with them. Yeah. The Burbs, for example, is such a great That's one that we need to watch. Such a great movie, and it's so it's so dark and and like the gallows humor, um and and it's just uh and and also Gremlins too is like zany and crazy yeah. and and so ahead of its time. Um, uh, the uh, matinee as well is a movie that uh, I don't know if you've seen that. I haven't, but it's um, it's a movie that um, that also is like it's it's a snapshot in time. It's about nostalgia, and they uh, they they do a parody movie of like uh, the fly kind, that those kinds right. of like fifty sci-fi movies, and it's so on point. Uh, and and that also wasn't particularly uh, well received. Um, there's just so many of those movies that he made that that, that you know I, I that I I have absolutely no idea how they how they weren't beloved at the time, but uh, but I guess that's what makes him so revered today is that um, is the people have discovered those movies after the facts after the fact and they become cult. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Anyway. I, yeah. I just uh, I I I want to say one more thing about the movie before we move on to the trivia corner. Okay. Um, is about um the bad guy shrinkage. Um, yeah. It's just. It's just a bit like there were two things in the movie that crossed the cartoony line for me. And I can't explain why I was able to accept everything else and not these two things. Right. One was the face changing thing where I love that. Dennis Quaid I just think it's so... reshapes his face yeah. from inside. I just which is it, odd. It, you have to suspend disbelief for that, but I think it's so hilarious. Robert Picardo has to um, who plays the cowboy and is also a Dante regular as is Dick Miller who plays the cab driver at the beginning and yeah. uh, Henry Gibson who plays the uh, um, the the store manager who, who plays uh, um, the, uh, the the next door neighbor yeah in uh, in the burbs you told me you told me about the burbs um, and I watched I watched a trailer for it and I was like I need to do this as a podcast episode where yeah. I don't watch it without you like we need right. to watch that one together yeah um, and I think also Monster Squad falls under that category as well because you haven't seen that and I have. Mm. Um, and it's also very 80s. So, uh, yeah, so Robert Picardo um, gives a fantastic performance in this movie as the cowboy. It's so, and it's it's almost like it's it's from another movie. You know, he's he's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but he, but once uh, Martin Short changes into the cowboy and his face changes uh robert picardo then has to imitate martin short's yeah, mannerisms movements. I, look it's that, just that, that it's, dinner scene not that dinner scene that sort of negotiation scene, scene yeah, yeah right that was a worthwhile payoff to that ridiculous yes. thing um it's just it 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 was too cartoony. The the transformation somehow. I don't know. I love that, um, and and the uh, the effects as well that you're going to talk about a little bit later, like the sort of the prosthetics and the the, the kind of like 
models animatronics it's rob yeah. botin who did a lot of that kind of stuff in the uh, in the 80s and 90s um also uh american werewolf in london he did the uh the transformation and he did the you know arnold schwarzenegger's uh eyes popping out of his head in uh yeah. in total recall it's a, yeah it's a little it's a yeah it was it it, it wasn't it wasn't bad it was just uh it made me go okay what the fuck um what? and then also the mini the mini bad guys the the, the mini the bad guys that make bad me laugh is <laughs> and the fact that they end up inside the suitcase so at the dumb. End. and she's like it smells bad in here and he's like shut up you <laughs> like, and then they close the lid on her. So I was like watching that. I was like, okay, I can understand that the cowboy is perhaps a reason for Martin Short to jump in the car and whatever. But currently, those two bad guys are stuck in a suitcase and very small, not much of a threat. Right. Like, like, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like to sort of like underline your point here about the cartooniness, yeah. I I noticed that in the club scene so they go to a club they follow the cowboy to a club yeah and meg ryan starts dancing with the cowboy yeah and the cowboy does a kind of lasso movement yeah. whipping the lasso around his head and dante put in a whipping sound effect that goes oh, dear. Whoop, 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 whoop. and that to me is is cartoony. hilarious yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of like uh, cartoony the, the whole movie is cartoony but anyway yeah i i, I dig up. i don't watch it that often because i just enjoy experiencing it every time fresh you know i enjoy that that the amount of fun that i have with it is just um it's just amazing uh it's it's a great movie and, and i've gushed about this i, I have too yeah so uh now we're gonna go on to trivia, trivia. We'll talk a little bit about some of the uh, behind the scenes. There's not a lot here uh, because I didn't have time. Okay. But uh, I think we're running long on the podcast anyway. So uh, here we go. Director Joe Dante originally turned this movie down when it was written as a sci-fi spy movie. After making Explorers 1985, the story was rewritten as a sci-fi comedy. It's still a sci-fi spy movie. It's still a sci-fi spy movie. But I think think the point is that it was uh, was written straight and he wanted to make it comedic. Right. uh, Which... Works. For this concept, you have to has to have be tongue in cheek. Sense of humor about it. Um, and I can't, I can't think of anybody who would have done this, uh, this concept justice like, uh, like Dante. Um, yes, yes, I am in love with Joe Dante. And uh, if you want to write in the comments that uh, you think we should get married or something like that, fuck you all. Um, <clears throat> Dante was interested. A little bit sensitive. Aren't a little you? bit sensitive. Yeah. Nobody said anything yet. I'm already reacting. You're already to the having internet a when, go at people who haven't yeah, said anything. Exactly. But now people are going to say something because they well, know well, that it tweaks. You your nipples, had an affair so. with Richard Williams, so uh, I'm having an affair with Joe Dante. I'm having an affair <laughs> with Richard Williams. It was real. Re. <laughs> it was real. <laughs> <laughs> Dante was interested once one of the writers reworking the script said, imagine if somebody like Dean Martin is put in a space pod, miniaturized into a syringe and injected into the body of somebody like Jerry Lewis, which is great way to boil that down. Yeah. Uh, so Dante changed his mind, but the script was given to executive producer Steven Spielberg, who offered it to director Robert Zemeckis, Ooh. which would have been just after, um, just after Back to the Future. Okay. Um, but thank God Robert Zemeckis didn't make it because he ended up making Roger Rabbit instead. Oh, with um, my paramour, Richard, <laughs> Richard Williams. Williams. Um, so Demeca- Zemeckis uh, turned it down. He didn't want to make it. So Spielberg offered it to Dante, who accepted. Uh, cinematographer John Horror, who had previously worked as Joe Dante's cinematographer on all of his movies, was cast as Ozzy after Steven Spielberg suggested him to play the absent-minded professor. Um the thing is that th- this, when I read this piece of trivia yesterday, I was like, oh, because there's a quality about Ozzy that's very natural, mm. that's very, not, very 
unactorly, yeah. I guess. Director Dante and producer Michael Finnell were very skeptical about the idea, and Spielberg insisted that they give him a screen test just to see, and was cast after impressing them. Now he he, he is a good uh, he is a good casting choice because uh, because he doesn't have that. Um, you know that sort of uh, familiarity. I guess he doesn't have any actorly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, twitches or anything like that. Right. So you know, it's it, I, I I always remembered that character. Okay. The first cut was overwhelmingly positive. Um, it had a it had a positive reaction by the crew and Warner Brothers executives. They were very excited to release it and hoped it would be their biggest movie for the studio, as with the as was the case with Joe Dante and Steven Spielberg's previous collaboration, Gremlins. Although the film was released on Independence Day weekend, the advertising for it was minimal and it flopped at, flopped at the box office. I don't think it speaks to the uh, necessarily the quality of the movie, but I will say that a lot of times, as I said before, um, Dante's humor hasn't necessarily been uh, wholly understood by audiences, so, uh, so that could also be it. It is a very funny and ridiculously cartoony movie. So uh, anyway, that was Trivia, Trivia Corner. All right, I've uh, taken the wheel on this episode long enough. What have you got for us? Right, okay. Join me in the VFX attic. Where else can you see VFX in an attic other than VFX... (laughs) Attic. So there's something I I wanted to... I've written here that I wanted to go over. This is more about design than anything else. Um, But the cool thing about the design of the machine and all of that whole section in the lab at the beginning is it looks all very experimental and low-tech, like it's designed almost looking paper mache. It's not just in the design of the prop. Yeah. It's in the design of these scientists and the way they design things. Like he's talking about, uh, at the beginning, he's got like a little robot arm that's supposed to pour, um, you know, vodka into a cup for him and it doesn't work. And then later on in the movie, he says, oh yeah, that's another thing by these scientists that doesn't work. It's not like a beautiful CG spaceship affair like you'd have now, yeah. right? Um, and it, it it looks like it's been cobbled together on a low budget by by these... And I'm not, yeah. ta- again, not talking about the quality of the prop. I don't know if you were listening to the dialogue while, while they're sort of, you know, all systems go, whatever. Um, uh, first of all, um, Ozzy is talking uh, to a camera. You know? There's a moment where, um, you know, he, he's sort of like, you know, just ignore all of this, uh, these papers and this junk all over this place. You know, it's like there's like coffee cups that are like lying around. Like the, it's very messy. It's very not clean. It's not like the lab in, uh, in, um, what's that movie called? Fuck it. Stargate. Stargate. What the hell is wrong with my brain? Le- please cut that out. No, I, I got that from the, uh, from the tune. Yeah, no, I know, was... but my brain was just like... No, no, that, that, you're good. I, 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 I conked out for a minute. Um, so, so the, the, and, and they're talking about the materials that they were using, and I think that there's a moment where he said, oh yeah, and we had to cobble this together from some cheap, like, piping or whatever it was, and I'm like, okay, so it's, it's, it's meant to look like that, and he... He, and, and there's a thing where he gets inside, Dennis Quaid gets inside the machine and he's turning it on and it's not working. He has to like flick at the console to get it working. It's the same sort of quality that the DeLorean has, only a bit more manky, you know? It's yeah. like, it's not... It reminds me of that scene in uh, in Wayne's World when they're, when they're shooting the show in the basement, yeah. the console starts sparking. And he like and the takes, a hammer, takes and a hammer and, he and starts like, ha- hammering at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and, and again, like ILM... Uh, involved in this movie um, and uh, Dennis Muren. they were yeah so they basically constructed these large scale sets representing sort of like the internal body organs and the pathways and they were all you know filmed and composited like it's and what all... were they made out of 
I don't know. I don't have that written here. They were made out of jello, apparently. Uh, what I've got here is that they were that the miniatures were shot in an ILM cloud tank. Um, yeah. I don't have anything about Jello, but it was, yeah, the liquid look of the internal environment. Um, so they did a lot of sort of like upscaling and then downscaling and, and compositing. And they had the pod on one of those um, uh, rod puppeteering things right. that they had for the Rocketeer, right? Where they had, you know, the, the Rocketeer model on one of these pre-controlled uh, robotic yeah. rods. Um, and they would have it flying through I would imagine... the water tank. And it was submersible in water for this one. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, they've got like the, you know, they're, they're shooting it like they would shoot a spaceship on a blue screen. Yeah, like similar, a... similar to how they would have shot the, um, the spaceships in Star Wars yeah, yeah. or in uh, Blade Runner or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you've got, uh, there are these great moments where, where the pod is, the spaceship is flying through, you know, like, yeah. um, blood vessels and whatnot. And it's, uh. It's really fun to look at. Like, it's, and it and, and looks it's all really practical. realistic. It's yeah. all practical. Which on, is on why, blue which is why I said, like, the effects in this movie have not aged. Because like, because most of this stuff is not an attempt. It, it's n- none of it really is an attempt. Uh, not none of it. Some of it has some. Uh, I don't know if there's actually CG um, apart from like. Uh, I don't uh, think so. Maybe in the face changing scene, but I don't think so. It's no, all, so the face changing scene I think screen. was was shot. Um, uh, you know, at a low frame rate. At a low, at a low shutter speed, you mean? No, low frame rate. Frame rate? Frame rate, yeah, because it's sped up. All right. So um, a low frame rate, and then they had it moving. Yeah, really. yeah you and know, then, I can and then see they that. would be switching out the, the um, actor and the like actor cutting and between them. Cutting between the uh, the sort of the, the prosthetic heads and, yeah. and stuff like that by Robbo Team. You know what? Now that that's probably how I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, but like I'm I'm like thinking about it and I'm like this is all done as practically as possible in camera everything that can be done they made like these large sets. Yeah. And and that's why it all feels so cohesive. Yeah. So I just love the visual look of the movie. I love the um I love the inside the body thing. I I think the baby is a a puppet. It's it's a yeah. puppet inside the cloud tank. I believe so, yeah. Um, and that looks, you know, suitably both cute and creepy at the same time. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's a lot of there's a lot of really really cool stuff going on in this movie. I and also it's, noticed it's, it's not stuff a... we haven't talked about before yeah. in other episodes, so I'm not going to go too deep in it. And we can leave the attic, and I'll untie you and everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's like uh, it, it 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 it's one of those things where I I say, you know. They they maximized just like you said like you know they maximized on the actors that they had and they squeezed every ounce of that talent of the plot. Into, of the plot. Yeah. Same thing with the effects. They really managed to maximize the technology and what they had at their disposal. Because it's to crucial make it that look, you believe it. Yes. Because you know? a moment in this movie that doesn't sell. Yeah. Brings the whole thing down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also I noticed that they, uh, there's a trick that was used in uh, Total Recall. And I think also in, uh, in Star Trek, the motion picture, um, is that they have a, a shot, the, uh, like a wide shot of outside the spaceship. Um, and you see Tuck inside it. And it's, a, uh, and it's like sort of projected onto the window. Like his image is projected onto onto sort of a reflective uh, window. Um, so that it looks like he's inside it. Mm. And that's just like a really low tech, but yeah. really effective uh, shot. I, I And I noticed that because it's very easy to see now on Blu-ray and whatever, but at the time, you know, um, it's very, uh, very seamless. Yeah. 
Um, and I didn't see a lot of like matte lines or anything. I, you know, it's so, so it's well, very done. well composited. Yeah. Everything is really well composited. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and Dennis Quaid really sells it as well. That, yeah, yeah. That's, it's part of the performances yeah. as well. Like in the, and the cohesion of the choreography, like, uh, you know, when, when, um, Martin Short is drinking the alcohol to give it to Dennis Quaid and Dennis Quaid has a little robot arm that comes out of the, um, you know, spaceship with his, his flask to catch it. And the two of them are going, Oh yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's all well put together and I, I don't, it's all, it's all like uh, that thing where you see the liquid being poured down the throat. That's, that's a miniature yeah, you know, it model be. shot. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's, it, it, there's no compositing there whatsoever, but the right. way that everything's edited together and, and just so for the, for the, uh, you know, composited moments as well, all of these things flow together and it tells a story and, and it just feels like that when, whenever we're talking about the, the visual effects have to serve the plot of the movie and the story, that's what we're talking about. That, right. that cohesion and selling of it. And that's why when you see all these big CGI blockbuster movies, it's like a lot of this stuff doesn't really need to be CG. Right. You're doing it because you can, not because it has to be. It's probably cheaper as well than uh, than building sets. Sure. I, I'm not talking... Mm, uh, yeah, like, I mean... There's... Like, for example, like, building a set and then destroying it yeah. is probably much more expensive than, than, having a, than uh, paying someone to sit and create it in uh, in, in CG. I, I don't know how much and those then destroying things cost. It. But, you know, again, you, you look at a, a director who's as... Um, stubborn as christopher nolan yeah who will demand let's demolish this building three times you know like that 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 is you know it's still done today uh, you know i guess it's all about how you spend the rest of your budget right you know he puts visual effects in very specific moments yeah. in his movies things that are impossible that cannot be yeah. done and it's also the, the it's never that the whole shot is CG. Yeah, it's There's something that's usually enhancing a very a, a real shot, practical thing. explosion yeah. with an enhanced something or other. Like whether it's, um, uh, I, I was watching, um, I think it was Corridor Crew, and they were talking about Tenet. Right. Um, and uh, you know, there's Tenet. Tenet, where the uh, the soldiers are walking through the sand backwards or something, and there are yes. these footprints in the gravel. Um, that are sort of revealing themselves or they're, or they're unrevealing themselves. Yeah. Uh, something's moving backwards. And, um, you know, he, they're like, that's, you know, a visual effect. That's something that enhances this, yeah. this movie and this shot. So but they actually had people learning to, to do things backwards and how that would look. Yes. And, you know, instead of like just running the film backwards, they... Uh, one they, of them is acting backwards and one it. of them yeah. is act acting forwards. It's really cool. VFX attic. I, I, there's something that I didn't talk about that I would that I would like to for a moment mm. is that the the sort of piggybacking on the idea of the the sort of experience movie the ordeal movie that somebody's yeah. been through something and you feel as an audience member you've been through it is the uh, the idea of two characters communicating throughout an entire movie and, and then never having met never having met and then meeting each other in, in the end and that electricity that happens between them that they're like best friends who are meeting yeah. for the first time and i feel that same way when uh, when i watch die hard and you see the the relationship between mclean and al um and uh, yeah. and i and i just think that the the chemistry between uh, between dennis quaid and martin short is more successful than the chemistry between either of the two with meg ryan um yeah 
Well, also, you know, the, the, he, they, they've been very intimate, the two of them, throughout mm. the movie. Um, but, but the, yeah, there's, a, there's also that moment where he comes out of the space pod, which is, or, or the body pod, whatever you want to call it, the squid, um, where he comes, he comes out of that whole, I can't take scenes like that seriously anymore, like Armageddon, where they come out of a spaceship, or, you know, whatever yeah. it is, the homecoming moment, yeah. because of the episode of Community where they're... Um, they get onto a, a sort of like space simulation truck, which is right. a KFC, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, KFC vehicle game thing. And, um, you know, they have that whole mo- moment at the end where they come out and, you know, um, Donald Glover hugs just a random person. He's like, you know, like, it's so yeah. funny. And that moment where Dennis Quaid comes out and he hugs Martin Short, I was laughing because community, so, like everything else, has ruined everything for me. Right, so that's the point where parody starts to... <laughs> it starts to ruin starts what to you're ruin, watching. Yeah. It's like, you know, Austin Powers and all that. But the funny thing is that it's it's played it's played in that same way, exactly what you just described, but, like, it's played in the same way in Die Hard, which came out a year after this, actually, mm-hmm. in that um, Dennis Quaid hugs... Um, you know his uh, his girlfriend or fiance at that point or whatever it is, and the guy who helped and, him, and the guy who helped him, whatever. And Martin Short's just kind of standing there, like with a smile on his face, watching. You know, like, and then I'm and happy then he, to see you're alive. And then he thing. spies him. Dennis Quaid spies Martin Short, and he's like he immediately recognizes. And then he him. recognizes him, and it's the same way in uh, in Die Hard that uh, McLean's hugging Holly, and you know whatever. And then he go, and then he sees Al Powell, and he says, he like sort of mouths Powell. And then, uh, and then they go over and they have like this hug and, you know, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's exactly that. Go and watch that scene, everybody. And you will know that you will find out that that is exactly how it sounds. Okay. Um, so I don't remember that, but now it's I, just I've interesting seen Die that Hard it's, so many times. It's like just interesting. That. The two movies that were probably being made more or less at the same time that have exactly the same, um, you know, sort of finale. But anyway. Uh, I I enjoy that kind of thing, and uh, it's so a great payoff. Yeah, just, yeah, it was just the community the bastards. Community ruined, ruined a lot of things, like um, like or uh, did it make them better? Like Jeff Winger, you son, son of, of a bitch! bitch. It's and exactly now every that. time it's the same thing. you see the, that macho eighties movie, you know, with the two Dylan, guys, like, you, you son, son of a bitch. bitch. That was fun. I think we should uh, we should do another movie um, along the same lines. I'm ready next to watch time. The Burbs or you know Monster Squad if you want. Yeah. Um, unless there's something more, more pressing. pressing. No, nothing. I, I'm I'm I re- I really enjoyed rewatching this movie and I enjoyed chatting about it with you. Yep, me too. And I hope you lot enjoyed listening to it. Let's try not to have such a long hiatus this time. Well, let's hope that nobody gives anybody else COVID. I didn't give you fucking COVID, Johnny. You totally gave me COVID. I gave you COVID, but you don't need to tell everybody <laughs> I gave you COVID. It's not like I did it on purpose. Bye-bye. Bye. What's our seat number? 